Welcome, everybody, to Bridge Builders Communities Church Sermon Podcast. You are listening to one of our messages from our weekly gathering. We hope that you sit back and enjoy and be blessed. Thank you for today. Thank you for this moment. Thank you for this day. Thank you for you. If we taste your goodness, we will not want. So help us taste your goodness today. Deeper, fuller. Let us embrace every part of your goodness that you have for us today. Because you are good. And everything that you do is good. So we want to walk into your goodness. We want to step into your goodness. We want to embrace your goodness. And we certainly, certainly want to praise you for your goodness. And so we ask that you would come, that you would speak to us, that you would illuminate your word to us by the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, come, teach us, lead us to all truth this morning. And we, we need you to do this for us. And so we humbly submit ourselves to your word. And we're going to give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Who, who wasn't here, I mean, last week, listened to the sermon online? Anybody? Okay. Take, honey, take their names down, please. <laughs> all right. How many read Second Kings chapter 5 last week? Ooh, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. That's good. Learn anything? Different? And did God speak to you about something? The thing that, that struck me personally was that how interesting it was that it was a servant girl, first of all, that told him to go see the prophet. And then it was his servants that spoke to him and said, if it was some great thing, you would have done it. Just just do this thing. It That spoke to me that so often, I, I mean, my whole life I've done this. I have negated my own voice. I've negated my own words. Even when I knew God was speaking to me, I haven't spoken. How many people haven't been healed or set free because I didn't speak up? Because I thought I was just a servant or I thought I was just a background player. It really encouraged me that we do know God's faithfulness. We know there's a prophet in the land. His name is Jesus. We know who he is and... It just encouraged me to speak up, remind people. Amen. I don't have the answers, but he does. Yeah. Amen. And she just wasn't just a servant girl. She was a captured servant girl. Yeah. And the fact that someone so high in authority listened to her, that was an amazing fact to me, that he would even listen to a servant girl mm-hmm. who was a captive servant girl. Yep, from Israel. Pretty much the same thing. Yeah, the, her attitude. She wasn't a victim of her circumstance. She she spoke out and changed this man's life. I'm just leading into you so you get on the mic, okay? <laughs> <laughs> it also, to me, speaks to the desperation of... Oh, do I have to say that again? No. Because <laughs> you're leading with the mic. <laughs> it speaks to the desperation, I think, 
of others who want and need that healing, that they're willing, they're brought to a place where they're willing to listen to others because what else is there? Mm. Mm. I was very interested in Gehazi Uh because we can't fool God. That's right. And he tried and, you know, there was an immediate uh, result of what, what happened to him. A lot of times in life, there is not that immediate result, but there is a like a, more of a spiritual result later on that you know people don't even realize. They don't go back to something that they tried to fool God on mm. because we don't. Hey Amen. I'm going to use that in my sermon two weeks from now because that was because <laughs> that's the end of the story. But that's a, that's a great point. I thought I was preaching two weeks. Oh well, you could be. <laughs> Yeah, I think you just might be now. <laughs> That's a great point. Anybody else? Everybody remember what a breakdown was? We can all remember what a breakdown is. Right? The, the stuff. The sad, tragic, ugly fears and failures. The stuff that, that we go through that causes us to spin out of control. You know, everything seems lost. We're we're depressed. We're we're hurting. We're we're in deep sorrow. It, it, it might be a physical thing. It might be a relational thing. It might be a combination of things. But we break down, and so we, so we start looking for a breakthrough. And remember what we said was a breakthrough. It was a military assault against anything that was holding us captive. That it was it was a battle that we were supposed to join, and that we were supposed to engage in. And then we said a a breakout is where we experience the victory. And one of the definitions was this, right? A smashing success. And none of those definitions were neat and tidy, were they? They were all messy. And they were all required some kind of our involvement, our engagement. Now, the breakdown is kind of like we didn't volunteer for that. Right? We did, we, nobody volunteers for a breakdown. Nobody want, signs up for a breakdown. But in order to get out of those situations, we must engage in the breakthrough process in order to get the breakout process going. So they would, it, it required all of us going all in on this and to be dedicated to fight for our own freedom. Right? This is what the story of Naaman was, was teaching us. Now, here's, I'm going to ask you a lot of questions today. And they might be mostly rhetorical, but they're very important questions. So we, we understand there's a breakdown, there's a breakthrough, and then there's a breakout, which we all want. So why doesn't God just start with the breakouts? If God could make a breakout happen at any moment in, in that situation, why doesn't he just start there? Did you ever wonder that? He wants us engaged in the process of what? In the process of healing and um, victory, uh, in the process of intimacy with him, in the process of knowing him more, in the process of learning to trust him, to rely on him, to get closer to him, um, and to know him more through the the process. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Yes. In the Gospel of John, we saw this happening to Mary and Martha, right? 
they get word to Jesus that their, their brother Lazarus is, is sick, very sick. And it seems like they're waiting on Jesus an awful long time for him to come. And they know he loves Lazarus. And when he finally shows up, Lazarus is dead. And they're seemingly a little annoyed that it took him so long to get there. Sometimes waiting on God is hard. Things happen that we don't like when we wait on God. When we wait for God to move. Now the good news, of course, we know the story. Jesus comes and he, he's sad and he's hurting for his... For, but he's also hurting because the people have no faith. He tells them to, to roll away the stone. He commands Lazarus to come forth. So the other question that I have is, what do you have to get out of the way this morning? To bring forth life. What do we have to break through this morning. In our lives. In order to have the life come come forth. Because I believe it. I believe that Jesus is commanding life to come forth all the time. In our lives. I have come that you might have life. And life more abundantly. So there, is, there are so many debris fields in a, in a way of that sometimes that God wants to clear out of our life. And I know sometimes it's hard to wait on God. And, and we think he's being too slow or it's just not happening the way that I would want it to happen. And I think this is why Naaman teaches us so many great lessons. So uh, if you would head towards Second Kings chapter 5. I think maybe we don't like waiting because waiting reveals our character. Waiting has this... Wonderful and maybe perhaps awful thing that it does, that it, that it, it takes off the rough edges of our character. <laughs> Waiting, trusting on God, uh, going deeper, like Patty says, you know, being more intimate with Him on all levels, you know, that, that process of breakthrough takes waiting and patience and trust and faith. And it starts to, to shape our character to look like Jesus. I, it, I know it's hard. Mary and Martha, it was hard for them to wait for Jesus. They knew what he could do. We may not always understand why we have to wait. But the good news is, God never asks us to wait without him being with us in the process. That's the wonderful promise and that's the, the wonderful presence of God in our life. That you know, He asks us to wait, but He's right there with us. It's not like He goes away somewhere and says, just wait there. He says, no, wait, but walk with me. Wait, let me lead you, but I'm with you. Lo, I am with you to the ends of the world. I am with you always. So a breakthroughs are faith in action. That's what we can learn from the story of Naaman. We studied this last week, so, but let's go to Second Kings again. Pick up the story where we left it all. Do a little review here. This is, this is a great story. And sometimes the Bible is so understated in, in when it describes something. And if you don't poke your nose a little deeper into it, I think you can miss some subtle nuances here. Naaman is uh, encouraged by the slave girl, which he captured in a raid against Israel. And, and the wonderful kindness of the slave girl amazes me. That she would tell her master... That there is a prophet in Israel that can heal your disease. It's pretty amazing that just that alone. But so <laughs> we think, okay, he's in Syria, modern day Syria, Aram back then. 
And he says, okay, I'm going to go to the king of Israel. And we think, well, that's okay. He just gets on his horse and he's there. It's about 135 miles that he has to go. We know the story. We said it last week. He gets to the king of Israel. The king of Israel is, uh, is so upset that he gets this letter from the king of Syria, thinking that the king of Syria wants to start a war because he asked him to heal this man. Again, he went to the wrong source first, right? He went to the king of Israel first instead of going to the prophet, was what the slave girl told him. But he goes 135 miles to get to Israel. We're going to assume that it's Jerusalem because that's usually where the king was. It doesn't really say where in Israel it was. But from Jerusalem to where Elijah was, was another 45 miles. Okay, this is not a quick trip. When you get, when you got chariots, when you got horses, when you got slaves with you, you, you know, and who knows how many people that was in this entourage, but it was probably soldiers there. This, you know, this mighty general did not travel by himself. So we up to close to 200 miles here before he, he gets to Elijah. He gets to Elijah. Elisha, not Elijah. Thank you. I have a habit of going back. So just put in Elisha when I say Elijah. He gets to the prophet. What if I just say that? That might make it easier. He gets to the prophet. This is pretty amazing. We said this, we touched on this a little bit last week. He gets to the prophet. This is a mighty general in a nation which they have conquered time and time again. That they, they do multiple raids against this nation. He's traveling with soldiers. He's traveling with authority, with power. He is a superior military force. And he's expecting a certain response. Instead, he gets a servant that comes out to greet him instead of the prophet who he's traveled all this way to come and see. This not put him in a good mood already. And then he gets the instructions to go into the Jordan River, dip yourself seven times, and you will be cured. You will be clean. We said that this made Naaman angry, upset. He goes away grumbling about the fact that he's come this way and he couldn't, this prophet couldn't even come out of his house to greet me. I thought that all he would do would come out, pray to the Lord his God, wave his hands over me and I would be cured. Instead, he's asking me to jump into this river. The rivers in Damascus are far nicer rivers. I could have stayed there and jumped in those rivers Naaman is not very happy about this. He's traveled a long way. See, we, we miss that right in the story because it just seems like he's just there. He's come a long ways. He's a busy man. He's an important man. He's a man who is a great military general. And I'm sure there is always some kind of battle that he's planning for. This is why he's successful. But he's also desperate. He's won many battles, but he's losing this one to this disease. This disease is killing him, and he's desperate. He needs a healing, and he's willing to go to a nation that, that they have defeated in order to get it. He's upset because the prophet doesn't come out, but he's also upset about a few other different things. Because it's not about the water. Naaman knows that you can't wash away leprosy. He knows that that's not a cure. You don't wash away leprosy. He realized he needs divine help. 
And the gods in Syria are no help whatsoever. Otherwise, he would have never come here. He hears about the God of Israel from this slave girl. And says, well, you know what? I know I need divine help. I know I need a God, a God, to heal me. And yet he's telling me to go into the Jordan River. First of all, you wouldn't even choose. If you wanted just to be clean, just like clean from dirt, you wouldn't go into the Jordan River. The Jordan River is dirty. It's muddy. It's, 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 and bless you, it's, in most places, it's most like a stream. It's, it's, you can walk across it in some places. I don't know if this is the place that they're talking about, but he knows that this is not a big, this is not something he really wants to even go into if he was not had leprosy. That's why he mentions the, the rivers in Damascus, because they're, they're big and they're clean and they're beautiful. And they're also on his, on his home turf, what he's comfortable with. The Jordan River, from where the prophet lives, is 40 miles. His journey is not over yet. And he said, I've already come 100, almost 200 miles, and you want me to go further? And basically jump in this muddy mess of a river? He, this is kind of the reasons why he's mad here. The other thing, this is basically a conquered nation. A nation that they have military might over. To perform or to take part of a Jewish cleansing ceremony is insulting to him. And that's what it was. To dip yourself seven times was part of a ceremonial cleansing act in the Jewish faith. Basically, he would be acting like a Jew. This was a huge blow to his ego to do this. So he's got to travel at least, you know, <laughs> another day or so to get to this river. He's got to he's got to go and dip himself in seven times, acting like a Jew in order to be cleansed from this, or, or he hopes to be cleansed from this because he's still not convinced up here. It's very insulting. Very, he gets angry. He's grumbling, but he is determined. And I love the fact that God messes with the way we do things because he's after our heart. And I think, you know, throughout scripture, we've seen it that, you know, that God is after a simple step of obedience from us. And he's asking us to remove that one thing out of our lives and so that we could be free. But it always, it always involves obedience. Always. He knows you can't wash away leprosy. He, he knows you'll be looking like a Jew if he does this ceremonial washing. Naaman is used to life and death situations. He's a general. He's used to taking command. He's not used to being commanded to do something. This is another huge hit to his pride. Being told. See, he just wanted the prophet to come out, wave his hands, do whatever Jews do in order to pray to their God and be cleansed. And no involvement from himself. He's come as far as he's going to come. I expect that guy to do what he does. I'll do what I do. Everything will be good. And I'll be cured. And God messes with him. Says that's just not going to work. How far are you willing to go to be clean? That word clean there says is the word that means purified. It means healed. And it means set apart. This is a soul level cleansing we're talking about here. 
Naaman doesn't realize this yet. This is something that God is speaking to the whole body. He is not just going to be healed from leprosy. There's going to be a change to his heart and his relationship with a God that he does not know yet. This is really a powerful story. He is not accustomed to surrendering his way. And this is exactly what God is asking him to do. Are you going to remain in breakdown mode or are you going to break through into breakout mode? And we said this last week, you know, what you choose to step into matters. What you choose to step into matters. The truth is that we're always heading somewhere. We're always going in one direction. And God is always asking us, why don't you choose to step into my direction and to my will. We don't get to choose the river. We don't get to choose the method for our healing, for our deliverance. We get to choose him. We don't get to choose the river, the method, but we get to choose him. So not only do we get what we choose to step into matters, what we choose to return to matters. Now see, He's at the prophet's house. He has a big decision here to make. He could return to those rivers in Damascus. He could. It's very interesting, the word Damascus, the city. The word means earthly wisdom. He could have chose to go back to earthly wisdom. He could have chose to go back to something that would not bring life. That would not bring freedom. That would not deliver him from his leprosy or everything else that God was after that day. He could have gone back to earthly wisdom. And how often are we presented with the same choice? But we rely on our own strength. There is a way that seemed right unto a man, but the end thereof is death. And this is the choice that he has here. So what we choose to return to also matters. Often people don't find the freedom or the breakout because they, of what they return to. Back to the story, we, you know, the servants come out and they plead with Naaman. And again, sir, if the prophet told you to do something difficult, you would have done it. So why don't you just do and wash and be clean? And basically asking them, would you rather die for something or would you rather live for something? And again, he's used to making life and death decisions. And thankfully, thankfully, he swallows his pride and he obeys Elijah's instructions. He walked down to the Jordan. <laughs> again, makes it sound like it's right there. All he has to do is turn around. But he's walking another 25, 30 miles to get to, to the Jordan. And probably with everybody that came with him. And he waded out into the water and he stooped down seven times. Just as Elijah has told him, right away, he was cured, and his skin became as smooth as a child's. About 10 years ago, I'm driving in my car. I'm as frustrated as, as anything at God. So, so many things going on in my life at that time. And I'm, and I'm mad, and I'm angry, and I'm upset because of something that's not happening yet in my life. And, and I'm just complaining. I'm just giving it to God. And I felt like he was asking so much of me at that point in my life. And he was just after me and asking me to change my heart about this and asking me to, to step up to that. And I just felt so much pressure. And I, and I remember yelling out in the car and I would say, I said, what more do you want from me? The car got very quiet. <laughs> and after a few minutes, I felt God say, I don't want anything from you. 
I just want you. I just want you. And what I learned that night was there are times that God, and He always wants us, but there's times that God really wants us. That we feel that pressure. And we might misinterpret it as He's asking something from us, and really all He's asking is us to come closer. It's not what we do, it's who we are in Him. And God wants to continue to speak His identity into us. And that sometimes creates this tension because I don't want to be like him at times. I want to be like Jay because Jay is cool. Jay gets to do whatever he wants. So I want to be like Jay. Because being like Jesus costs too much. I know that doesn't happen to you. You don't want to be like Jay either, I'm sure. but, (laughs) But you see what I'm saying there? That tension that we get sometimes when when you know God is asking you to come closer. When you know that what you're walking through is bringing you closer. And yet you just don't want to go there. Even if you know it's going to be freedom for you. Am I the only one like that? Okay. I think this is where Naaman is, you know, just before he steps into the river. He he travels another 25 miles or so to go into that muddy river. He's probably still debating this whole thing in his head. Am I going to do this or what? You know, he had to take off his armor, his symbol of authority, which also hid the effects of the disease on his body. Sometimes God will expose you. Remove everything from you. That you've been trying to hide in. Power, prestige, careers, positions, ministry. He'll strip it all away so that he can heal you. Make you whole. Pure. Holy. Righteous. Just like his son. It's amazing. We read about this story. Luke 4.27 says this. And there were many lepers in Israel at the time of the prophet Elijah. But the only one healed was Naaman. Oh. Jesus says that. Pretty much just a few minutes after he gets done reading the scroll in the temple. When he pronounces what he's there for. And he talks about that. Talks about Naaman. This is a story. Jesus uses this to point out that even when other people think you're unworthy, and to the Jewish mindset, they certainly would have been unworthy. They weren't God's people. Naaman was a he was a Syrian. But even when people think you're you're unworthy, God doesn't. And God makes a way for you to, to be his. This is a beautiful story of Jesus pointing this out, saying, you know, I'm here for everybody. <laughs> I found that to be truly just a wonderful, wonderful side note there. But it was so cool to read that. God doesn't always make sense, but he always makes a way. Psalm thirty-four, nineteen: many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. Not some, not a few, but all. 
the text states that his his skin, excuse me, became as smooth as a child's skin. This is really cool. It wasn't the skin of a hardened general. It wasn't the skin of even of of his own age, whatever age he was. It was totally brand new skin. That's what that means. He must have looked tremendously younger. I don't know. I mean, just to think about it. But he had brand new skin as if he was when he was a child. So not just did his, his skin clear up from the leprosy, everything was, was restored. And he was the only one healed in the time. This just blows my mind. And I think it has something to do with the fact that he was willing to humble himself. And he was willing to obey God, even though he didn't understand all the nuances of it. He was willing. Yeah, he grumbled a bit. But look how desperate he was to go hundreds of miles for us. He was engaged. This is a man, he was a military man. He knew how to engage in a fight. And this is a great lesson for us. But even though he had a disease, he didn't stop fighting for his king. The king of Syria, yes, he didn't stop fighting. He was still a mighty general. And now, he had new skin to fight in. This is, I don't know, this is really cool. I don't know if you're excited yet, but... um, I'm getting pretty excited here. Breakthroughs are cleansing agents. 2 Corinthians 5.17 If this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person, the old life is gone. A new life has begun. If we want to be clean, if we, want to, we have to be willing to step into what God has for us. We want to be cured of whatever barrier that we're trying to break through to. We have to be obedient to step into whatever God is asking us. Realizing that God is not trying to torture us. God is not trying to punish us. He's trying to discipline us. But it's because of his, this great overwhelming love to to call us into his presence. Because we know not only is his presence, there's a fullness of joy, there's fullness of him there. And see, when the fullness of, of God, is, we're in that fullness, we can't help but be clean and be whole and be cured and to be his. And that's the thing. Next week, we're going to talk about how to walk in new skin. We're going to talk about breakouts next week. But I want us to kind of just stay here uh, this week and just, again, read, this, read 2 Kings 5. Read the whole story. Read the ending. Uh, you know, yes, <laughs> Elijah's servant. There's a, there's a story in there, too, and, and we will get there. Or maybe Michael teaches it because now he opened it up. <laughs> but, but think about that. Think about the things that God is asking you to step into. And maybe you've been a little reluctant to do so because it requires great discipline or great humbling, which is kind of the same side of two sides of the same coin. Because I believe that God wants us to get to that smashing success in whatever is holding us back in certain areas of our life.
I, I really believe that. If we're going to go into all the world and make disciples of all men, we have to be as unhindered as possible. We just do. I want to travel light. I want, I want all this baggage to be behind me. Stuff that I, I, I constantly return to because somehow I think I need it. I want to remove my armor. Whatever I think gives me authority, whatever I, uh, gives me prestige or identification that is not from him. Anything that's not from him, I want to be removed. I want to put on his armor. That's a different, that's a different armor. But I want, anything that's my own, I want, I want to get rid of that stuff. Don't you? Don't you? Not, not get rid of my armor. Don't you want to get rid of your own armor? <laughs> but don't you want to be free? Don't you want to be free? I mean, don't you want to look at your skin that you walk around in and praise God for it like Naaman did when he came out of the water? See, one of the great responses once we get breakthrough or breakout is gratitude. We'll talk more about that, but Naaman's response is overwhelming gratitude. And a changed man who, who wants to take dirt with, home with him so that he makes sure that he's standing on holy ground. This, this guy got changed. And I want to be changed just like that.